Big news out of this weekend. The Libertarian Party has nominated their presidential and vice presidential candidate. We'll take a look at that heavily today because uh, there's there's lots of rift between libertarians over the, over the choice. Uh, so we'll take a look at that. We also have uh, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump raring to debate and then all of a sudden pump the brakes. Hold on. We don't want to debate a loser. Get into that too. We also have more surprising and unsurprising poll data to go over and a couple other stories too, so get ready and get raring. Here we go. This is FritzCast. Welcome to another edition of the FritzCast. I wanted to open up this week. Uh, Of course, Monday was Memorial Day. I didn't do a podcast yesterday. Nor did I do anything uh, to prep it for the weekend. Uh, When Memorial Day rolls around, uh, a lot of people turn it to barbecuing, turn it to, you know, a big old three-day weekend beach week. Uh, Working in corrections, I don't, don't, you know, three-day weekends come up when I put in a day off to go on top of my weekend, so uh, fortunately, uh, Mondays and Tuesdays off, this is one of those holidays where I didn't have to go into work, but every Memorial Day, and uh, every Memorial Day weekend when it rolls around, I take a very different stance from a lot of a lot of mainstream people, uh, I don't take it as a barbecue weekend, I don't take it as a beach weekend, I don't like to commercialize it. I don't like it to be anything else. Uh, Part of the reason we opened up this show with taps is uh, I like to play it. I like to really just sit down and listen to the tune. It's a it's a harrowing, like beautifully haunting tune, if you ask me. And I know for military people that's how you close out every night. But to me, when I hear it, all, all I can think of, all I can see is is the gravestones of those who fought and laid their life down and paid the ultimate sacrifice, which, of course, is what more Memorial Day is all about. I don't go around thanking veterans on Memorial Day, as some people might misinterpretly, you know, do. I do that on Veterans Day, and I try to do that every day. If I know they've been in the service, I try to, uh, you know, 
just put that out there. You know, thank you for doing what you do. It's a big sacrifice, and it deserves the utmost respect. And Memorial Day, I always play taps at least once. I always, uh, I always try to go over something historic, try to focus on something like that, pay it the respect that it deserves. So, hope you all were cool with it opening that way. As always, uh, we're going to spill into the show now. So, as always, if you weren't cool with it, I don't care. It's my show. So, that's that's what you get. This is, now we can be a little more energetic and happy. The, these people who died for us to live the way that we do, to have the rights that we have, can now go into the entirely inappropriateness of the show that it gets sometimes. So, Let's just, you know, as always, we'll start with uh, the past week and how it's gone. So I've been on normal work now. Well, actually, well, I had a four-day work week. I took off for my birthday on Wednesday, which I'm surprised you all got the trivia questions wrong. A lot of people were thinking, oh, yeah, that was when Star Wars came out. It, it was. The fact that I was born that same day years later, I don't think that was a mere coincidence, if you ask me. That was a lining of the, uh, that was a cosmic aligning of sorts. So, so there was that. But my birthday went great. Uh, I told you last episode, did I tell you, about how awesome my wife is and all that? Well, she just doubled her awesome. She had a surprise birthday party for me on Saturday, and I did cook on my grill. Um, yeah, I cooked for my own party. Get that? Happy birthday! Get over there and make some food for everybody. That's how it works around here, apparently. So, So we did that. That was cool. Uh, then it got rainy, and today it's very muggy and mild. Uh, oh, last week the air conditioner didn't work. Flicked on the air conditioner. No cool air whatsoever. Apparently all of my refrigerant, which everybody says Freon, but it's not Freon anymore. It's refrigerant. All my refrigerant apparently uh, leaked out. That made me a happy camper. This is a brand new house with brand new everything in it. And apparently I have a leak somewhere for coolant. Hmm. Awesome. It's great. I finally I finally get the aspects of home ownership that everybody was just waiting for me. They're like, yeah, you like owning a house now, but just wait till something goes wrong. So it was like, you know, a couple hundred bucks to get some coolant in there. I'll call the guy back and we'll figure out where the leak is and hopefully it's not uh, anything too expensive to replace. That would be at least grand. I haven't had any Solar City updates for y'all. Um, I'm still... I'm still in the process of that. Uh, there was uh, some dispute between uh, me and the lower, the local power company. Uh, something about the inverter size that Solar City was calling for. Very baffling because uh, Solar City drew up a 10.0 kilowatt system for my house, and then they dinged it back. The, the power company dinged it back and said that's too big. We don't, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to have to pay you a lot of money for overproducing. They want you to be right on the level. Like, they want you to be right on the level where if you underproduce and you pay them a little bit of money, cool. If you overproduce and they have to pay you a little money, it's not going to kill them. That, that, that sort of thing. Except when I called to figure out the max inverter size, they said it was 10.8. They're suggesting a 10.0 system. Okay? So, I'm not above the max inverter size. That's the size they're calling for. So, my, app, my apps are back in. I'm waiting to hear back on that. So... The sooner I get an update, the sooner we'll talk about it again. But I'm still excited to get some solar energy on my roof and and be contributing to a greener world. 
in my own way, not by force of the government. But that's that. So, is there anything else for me to cover? There's nothing else for me to cover for that, so let's just dive on in. Let's just dive on into what we're going to go over today. Over the weekend, which lots of people were going to the beach and barbecuing uh, because, you know, Memorial Day and people were having sales abound everywhere because that's what Memorial Day is about, obviously. The Libertarian Party was having their convention for selecting a nominee for president and vice president, which believe I told you last week, that's what they do. They have a, a nomination process for the presidential nominee. And they have a process for the vice presidential nominee. Well, C-SPAN covered it entirely. They, they had, I think, a, a last presidential debate Saturday night, I want to say. Maybe Friday night. I Don't don't hold me to it. Because uh, I didn't watch every single solitary second of coverage on C-SPAN. Oh, I know. What a bad libertarian not, not watching the entire thing. I know, I've already seen like a dozen debates between these fellas. I didn't need to see another one. So C-SPAN was covering the entire convention. I did watch it Sunday. I had it up and was listening to it in the background. I didn't need to see a visual. Uh, One of the stories I want to go over before we even go into uh, who the candidates are, there was, and this is truly embarrassing, James Weeks took the crowd by surprise Sunday after he began stripping. He was a late entry candidate, I believe, for the for the party uh, presidency, and he got up there fully clothed and got on the podium and then started stripping to random music and stripped down to his uh, what was it, tiny briefs or yeah, tiny briefs, tiny pair of briefs, big fat hairy dude, stripped on down to his briefs. And then they stopped him, they threw him off stage, the event manager called him an idiot and a moron, and it was, you know, it was a national stage for us libertarians. Probably had people watching out of mere curiosity, and they got to see that as a lovely little display. And what's really funny is that there's a, like I said, there's a divide among libertarians over the candidate, that is, over the presidential ticket right now, and... Those guys who are idiotic enough are like, well, our presidential ticket is is uh, more laughable than this guy that stripped down. Yeah, whatever. That's what's pro- that's what's the problem with us trying to get ahead in this game is people who think that the nominee is more embarrassing than than this sideshow freak that went up there and just stripped on down on C-SPAN, no less. I'm sure this. I'm sure that's the last time C-SPAN will want to cover. Libertarian convention. Thanks, buddy. Just set back what had took years to get. So hopefully it doesn't fumble the ball. Hopefully the actions of one man doesn't ruin it for everything. But who knows? I mean, who cares anyway, right? Who cares? So the uh, the convention happened. The nominee was selected, and the nominee was. Gary Johnson, for the second time in a row, takes the... I had to re-record this bit because I actually said, the first time I recorded it, I said Gary Johnson takes for the second time in a row the VP nod. 
Gary Johnson, for the second time in a row, takes the Libertarian nomination for President of the United States. He took it in 2012. Member got like 1% of the vote. So this time they're giving him a different chance. I mean, honestly, this time around it's a little bit different. He's actually polling at uh, 10% a couple times over in different polls. Uh, there's actually a poll right here right now I can give you. It was put it on Fox, uh, put up by Fox yesterday, in fact. From May 14th to May 17th, choice for president, voters under 35, Hillary Clinton is at 40%, Donald Trump is at 31%, and Gary Johnson is at 18% uh, polling for voters under 35 I know that's a very specific demographic, but it's important to go over stats like this because this is a heavy millennial vote that can participate in the election this year and have an impact. There's still a lot that can happen in the next couple of months, but now we have Gary Johnson officially the nominee, and there's lots of people getting behind it who just cannot Trump, can't, can't even Trump. A lot of people are getting behind Gary Johnson. A lot of funding is going Gary Johnson's way, in fact. Now, this article that I have up right now, it's from The Atlantic. It was uh, posted May 24th, so was last week. Bear that in mind. But it says, and I quote, If Gary Johnson wants to make it into primetime presidential debate stage as the Libertarian Party's nominee, he needs to qualify by polling above 15%, or at 15%, really. The current 10% figure is close to a personal best for Johnson as a presidential candidate. Poll analysts note this is roughly twice as high as Johnson's figures from the last cycle. End quote. And last cycle, like I said, last cycle 2012 was a different ball game anyway. There wasn't so much animosity towards the people running for president. People on the Republican side, they, they kind of just fell in line with Mitt Romney and played the game. And Mitt Romney... Narrow, narrowly lost. I mean, it was 51.1% for Barack Obama and 47.2% for Mitt Romney. That's off of percentages of the, of the popular vote. It was 65,915,796 votes for Barack Obama and 60 million, yeah, 60 million, 933,000 500 votes for Mitt Romney. So you're talking about a, a margin of 5 million votes. And that's it. You go to the, you go to the electoral vote, it was like 332 to 206. I mean, that's a beating. But, again, we, we, we tend to not like the electoral college here on this program because I don't think that much of a gap is representative of what the percentages of the votes were. But that's just me. Okay, it wasn't like a 2008 election. That was a thrashing. That was a significant margin of difference in the 2008 election of Obama uh, Obama versus McCain. I mean, if you want to go more narrow, it would be 2004 Bush versus Kerry. That was 50.7% for Bush. Versus 48.3% for Kerry. That was a tight one. And I believe that was the one that George Bush even was like, That's, that, that is a mandate from the American people that I am the best choice. 
And I know my bush isn't that good, but I don't care. But I keep focusing on percentages. Why do I focus on percentages? I'm pulling this right from the Federal Election Commission's website. Federal Election Commissions of the United States of America. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom. Party Convention and General Election Grants. I'm going to read you this. All right, so bear with me. All right, quote. The presidential nominee of each major party may become eligible for a public grant of $20 million plus COLA, C-O-L-A, over 1974. Uh, For 2012, the grant was approximately $91 million, $91,241,400 for each major party nominee. However, the two major party presidential nominees in 2012 opted out of the public financing program in the general election. Candidates themselves may not raise any other funds to be used for campaigning during the election period. The election the election limit for publicly funded candidates for 2016 is $96,140,600. Public grants of $18,248,300 went to each of the major parties for their conventions in 2012. On April 3, 2014, President Barack Obama signed legislation to end the public funding of presidential nomination nomination conventions. Since no third-party candidate received 5% of the vote in the 2008 presidential election, only the Republican and Democratic parties were eligible for 2012 convention grants. And only their nominees were eligible to receive grants for the general election once they were nominated. Third-party candidates could qualify for public funds retroactively if they received 5% or more of the vote in the general election. Case in point. You don't get 5%, you can't have access to grants and funds on a public level. You can't have any of this money that gets tossed around. None of it. And without polling at 15%, you're not included in the presidential debates. This is a two-party system that has almost a monopoly control over it, except you can't really say it's a monopoly when there's two parties vying for it. But it's mutually beneficial to both of these parties to have the control because then they don't have to worry about a third person coming in and going, Hey, I got an idea. I don't like you, and I don't like you, but this is what I do like. Pull voters away from both sides of of the aisle effectively. Okay, now you can go online and Google. You'll have to go digging digging through the articles to try to find it, because Gary Johnson initiated a lawsuit uh, against the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, uh, for having rules and having a style that uh, excludes people from the debate stage, keeps it just a Republican and a Democrat. Uh, the, the the closest one that I can get you that has uh, you know some good detailed information is an article from Breitbart back in March. Quote, The existing debate rules state that a presidential candidate must have a level of support of at least 15% of the national electorate as determined by five national public opinion polling organizations selected by the CPD using the average of those organizations' most recent publicly reported results at the time of the determination. This 15% hurdle leaves out important criteria, criteria, such as how polls should be worded, which polling organizations will be used, and when these polls should be taken. 
cherry-picking polling companies and adjusting the timing are just a few ways to tilt the outcome, end quote. Just to show, just to show you what the fight against is, you have this private organization. The CPD is a private organization. Okay, go to debates.org, click on the uh, About CPD and Our Mission tab. It'll say right there in the beginning that... Uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates was established in 1987. It's a permanent part of every general direction. Provide the best possible information to viewers and listeners. Primary purpose is to support, produce debates for United States presidential and vice presidential candidates and to undertake research and educational activities related to the debates. The organization, which is nonprofit, nonpartisan, 501c3 corporation, sponsors all presidential debates in 1998, 1992, 1996, 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012. Okay, if you want more juice for that story, how about a 1987 New York Times article? You can go online and read it. I'm going to give you some quotes from some of the chairmen's and the participants in this little CPD organization. Okay, quote, at a news conference, Paul G. Kirk Jr., the Democratic National Chairman, and Frank J. Farkenkopf, I'm probably mispronouncing that name, don't care, the Republican National Chairman, said that they had the support of all the 1988 presidential hopefuls for the new agreement, for the new arrangement, my bad, which they said would institutionalize the debates and strengthen the role of political parties in the electoral process, end quote. Scroll a little further down, you'll, re you'll read, quote, In response to questions, Mr. Frankenhoff indicated that the new Commission on Presidential Debates, a nonprofit group made up of representatives from each party, was not likely to look with favor on including third-party candidates in the debates. He said the issue was a matter for the Commission to consider when it worked out the format, timing, and other details of the debates with the candidates. Mr. Quirk, Mr. Quirk, Mr. Kirk was less equivocal, saying he personally believed the panel should exclude third-party candidates from the debates, but he said he could not speak for the commission, end quote. This was a big deal in 1987 when they put this out there. Very early on in this article, it talks about the League of Women Voters. A quote from Nancy M. Newman, the chair, the, the, the president of the League of Women Voters. Quote, I think they're trying to steal the debates from the American voters. End quote. I mean, obviously everybody has an angle, but I just gave you the, some of the heads of this, of this platform, of this, of this commission, saying that, eh, we don't really want third-party people in it. And you want to know who still sits on this board? Who still sits on the Commission for Presidential Debates, co-chairman Frank J. Farkenhoff, co-chairman emeritus Paul G. Kirk. You want to start saying that they're not a little biased? I gave you their 1987 quotes about how they did not care about third-party candidates. So yes, I back Gary Johnson's lawsuit against them because I do think they have a little bit of a biased approach and I'm not just saying it for my candidate Gary Johnson I'm not just saying it for the Libertarian Party there's a Green Party out there there's a Constitution Party out there there's independent voters out there and I think that anybody deserves a fair shot maybe yes there needs to be criteria obviously for creating a national debate stage for the presidency but right now it is very exclusive it's very an in-player game and that's something that I've been stressing to people about Gary Johnson. 
now I read about a, a half a dozen hit pieces on Gary Johnson from libertarians and, and third-party seekers alike about how he's he's just like the other two that are up there. And, and it, the fact of the matter is it's not true, people. There's lots of libertarian extreme uh, players that are just wholly upset. And I get that. They wanted Austin Peterson, the young buck, who had no political experience whatsoever. They wanted to nominate him, and I get that. I get that. I liked Austin Peterson, too. I could pull out a, a good chunk of quotes that I liked from him. I liked his willingness to stand up and debate and question, and and he didn't let Gary Johnson just waltz on in and breeze through an election process. They had to go through a first ballot and go all the way to the second ballot before Johnson was declared the winner. So Austin Peterson did his job. Austin Peterson's also already given his endorsement of Gary Johnson, said he's going to vote for Gary Johnson, and now there's this this back-end story that has lots of question marks around it about uh, Austin Peterson giving Gary Johnson a replica George Washington flintlock pistol and Gary Johnson supposedly throwing it in the trash. But I've also heard reports that Gary Johnson literally laid it on a table because he was called away somewhere and never got back to it. Who knows what happened? I'm not entertaining stories where there's too much back end and, and, and no sources committed to it. So I'm not diving into that. A Austin Peterson's already endorsed Johnson, already has commented on the supposed story anyway and says that he doesn't even fully know the details. He only knows what people have said. He has his flintlock pistol back, and he still says that for the cause of liberty, you have to get behind Johnson. And I believe you do. Get this guy 15% in the polling to crack into the debates, to run with a shot with at least a snowball's chance. Get him the percentage that he needs to unlock things like funding access. Pave the way for the future. You can't... I've said it from day one. I've said it to Bernie Sanders supporters. I've said it to Donald Trump supporters. You're not going to get your guy in there, and he's not going to snap his fingers, and things aren't going to change overnight. Things don't change overnight. For things like a nation to change the course of a nation, it takes years. That's the killer kicker part of it. You don't want to wait out the years for it to get better. You might even have to go through a couple of tough, crunch, scary years to get there. That's what happens. Same thing happens in life in general. I, me and my wife just now are coming out of some, some tough financial times. I mean, yes, we did get this house last year. Yes. And that was great. It's great to have a house and not have to worry about at the end of every year, am I renewing my lease at this apartment or am I looking and shopping around the other apartments? I got tired of that life. It was nice that everything in the apartment had to be taken care of by maintenance, but it kind of sucked because I couldn't replace anything. If I replaced anything, it was going to be on me and not their maintenance department. And it would have to get approved by them anyway. And I didn't want to live there forever. I'm in a house now. Where, yeah, I just told you, I had a frustrating, I had a frust frustrating week 
at the end of the last week, beginning of this week, when my AC did not want to work. And yes, that means I had to pull money out of my ass to make sure that it that it got fixed, to make sure that I could live in a house that was like mildly comfortable. That's the price I pay for taking a house, but guess what? At the end of the day, this is my house. I don't have to worry at the end of this year, oh, am I going to have to look over contracts again? Am I going to have to move again? No. Yeah, I had to pay a couple hundred bucks to put some refrigerant in. Big whoop. Maybe that means that I, I don't, maybe that means I don't go out and have a fun weekend here or there. Is what it is. But tough times happen too. We're just now coming out of a financial crunch, me and my wife, where we're finally getting ahead of things. And it's nice to get ahead of things, but guess what? There was a couple of cramped years there where, yeah, the big trip didn't happen. Other, th- other things didn't happen. Purchases weren't made. It happens. And, and you think that a nation isn't going to have to go through that? You think that we as a people aren't going to have to go through that as a nation? To get to to greener pastures, you think that Bernie Sanders was going to get in there and all of a sudden everything was going to be hunky dory in four years? I don't think so. I don't think that me voting for Gary Johnson, if Gary Johnson got into the presidency, I don't expect America to be, you know, one hundred percent problem free in four years. And if you were to magically get elected again for a second term after eight years, I don't even expect it to be where it needs to be. But we need to move forward, that's for sure. Need to move forward. Need to get some things under control. And I think out of all the candidates, Gary Johnson's going to bring the fiscal responsibility, the fiscal aspect that needs to get reined in and under control. Maybe that's where it needs to focus first. Because without fixed finances, without spiraling national debt, without understanding how the money works and and keeping the economy afloat and blossoming and blooming... Without all that, anything else you do is for naught. Because if your economy tanks and you go under, that's it. You're there. You're broke. And you have to start an even longer path of recovery. I'd rather go through a few crunching years. You know? I'd rather go through a few crunching years to avoid a pitfall. A major pitfall. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That was, I, I literally, I, I knew that a good portion of the show today was going to be focused on that. We could, I could do a whole nother episode on, on William Weld as the VP pick. He's not, he's not my first choice. He's not actually my choice at all. I, I don't like the choice of William Weld as his VP, but it's kind of moot right now. If I want the future to be better, if I want the future to be paved and a little more fair and a little more open to other parties and other ideas and other suggestions, you have to go behind Johnson. You have to. So that's my plea to the Johnson haters out there in libertarian land. Because here's the thing, the Republicans and Democrats who don't like Hillary and don't like Trump, who aren't going to like you know, the nominees of the Republican and Democratic Party, they will take a serious look at this guy. And they might come to terms and say, you know what? I agree with him on, on these three important major things that I think are the most important thing. That's how I vote. Okay, I vote first off on principle. Has to be somebody who I think is principled, aligns themselves with the Constitution, and believes the Constitution is an important thing. But I will boil it down to some key aspects. 
Right now, my top three, I think the national finances are important. I think our involvement in foreign, infer- in, in foreign affairs is important to look at and restructure. And the third one, and it kind of lumps in with the first one, is, is, the, is the taxation system. And everybody says, well, Bernie was going to fix that. No, not really. There's 70,000 plus pages of tax code. Bernie wasn't going to burn it to the ground and rebuild it. He was just going to put in more clauses and, and loopholes and other things to try to end other loopholes and doors. You don't do that. You tear down your tax code and you build it back up in such a way that you don't have these back doors and there's no dancing around it. There's a whole industry on this stuff, people. I almost dropped the S-bomb. That might happen, okay? That might happen. So I don't want to talk about William Weld's VP choice. I don't want to get into that right now. I probably will, especially the more I research it. The the biggest I could tell you is listening to the Jason Stapleton program. He had an excellent piece on William Weld and why he wasn't the best choice. Or a good choice at all. But for anybody, for any other libertarians out there who think that it's a disgraceful ticket, that, that's such a joke. Get over it. Get over it. I know he's not the best. He might not be the best, most aligned libertarian, but he has libertarian principles and he's carrying them to the front with him. He's stressing those principles. And he's the best shot at breaking down some of the walls. And he is busting his hump to try to make it happen. Meantime, just yesterday uh, from the Hill, a poll released voters feel disconnected, helpless about the election. And I, I keep, every week these get pumped out. It's, it's very odd. Uh, only 8% of respondents think the Republican Party is very or extremely responsive to what ordinary voters think. 29% think the GOP is moderately responsive. 62% think it's only slightly or not at all responsive. For the Democratic Party, 14% think the party is very or extremely responsive. 38% think it's moderately. 46 say slightly or not at all. The poll also found 15% of Americans say they had a great deal of confidence in the Democratic Party and just 8% said the same about the Republican Party. According to the poll, only 4% said they have a great deal of confidence in Congress. 15% in the executive branch and 24% in the Supreme Court. So that just shows you that there's a lot of people. A lot of people are, are just in, in discontent. About 60% of Americans say they think the Republican Party is only slightly or not at all open to new ideas or candidates outside the political establishment. About 50% of Americans say the same about the Democratic Party. 55% of Americans which includes 60% of Republicans and 53% of Democrats, say they feel helpless about the 2016 election. Just 13% say they felt proud regarding the presidential election. 37% said they were hopeful. So that's where we're at. It's still, every week another poll comes out and it's more discontent, more divided, more hopelessness out there. Mind you, and in the middle of all this, mind you, the biggest story that's going around and talked about is the freaking gorilla at the zoo. That's right, the gorilla at the zoo. I'm sure I don't even have to go into details or even talk about it that much, but there was the kid that fell in the zoo. Hold on, give me a second, because I don't want to give you trash. 
I can tell you that, according to reports, the mother was watching uh, several other children. Uh, I've seen pictures of the uh, enclosure. It's not some high wall like a kid could have climbed over and fell into there. Don't know what exactly happened on that end. But the fact that everybody becomes a freaking expert in this shit. Sorry, saying it. The fact that everybody becomes an expert when when things like this happen. Like, you're acting like you know what you're talking Jack Hanna went on Fox and said, yeah, um, we really wouldn't have any other option other than to shoot the gorilla. And people are saying, well, you could have tranquilized him. You could have tranquilized him. Like, things like this happen and they get blown out of proportion and they suck up all the attention. And everybody becomes an expert. People who know nothing about animals. Well, we could have, we could have uh, tranquilized him. You shoot a big old animal like that with a tranquilizer, it takes minutes to say, take effect. They become massively more aggressive. So, w- what do you do? You send a bunch of people in there to try to wrestle the kid away from the uh, the giant freaking gorilla who could probably have killed the kid and then killed all the people going after him. Yeah, it's sad that the gorilla had to be shot. There's probably a lot of people that could be blamed for it, too. The zoo not having a high enough wall to keep somebody from just being able to easily crawl into it, number one. Number two, it could have been the parent. The parent could have easily been distracted by other kids, though. If you have a big group of kids and not enough adults taking control of the situation, it's not that hard to miss Johnny hanging on the rails and all of a sudden he falls in. Everybody becomes such a judgmental prick when this stuff happens. They act like they know everything that happened and that they would do it a hundred times better and that they had the better solution when I'm pretty sure the people who run the freaking zoo knew what they had to do. Pretty sure they knew what their options were. And if Jack Hanna, of all people, was coming on there and telling you, look, we love these animals, we donate lots of money to save these animals, uh, in the wild to preserve them, uh, in the zoo, there's people who hate zoos altogether anyway because of animal cruelty aspects and other things like that, confinement aspects. We're not going to get into this big philosophical argument about all that. We're just going to say... It's sad that the gorilla had to be killed, but there was no other option. And for everybody saying, I can't believe the zoo shot them, let's sue the parent because she should have been shot. You don't even know what happened. Next time, we'll just send you into the gorilla pit and you can go get the kid. Cool? Cool. Moving on. Uh, let me not worry about Hillary Clinton right now. Let me worry about Donald Trump, this big, brave, macho guy. My goodness. He said he wanted to, go to debate Bernie Sanders, and then he said he didn't. And then he said he did. And then he said he didn't. So I say to uh, Mr. Macho uh, that I am open to a debate any time, any place here in the state of California, hopefully before uh, the June 7th uh, primary. Our job is to convince superdelegates of one very, very important fact that their most important responsibility is to make certain that the Democratic Party has the strongest candidate possible to defeat Donald Trump and make sure that that man does not become president of the United States of America, which, to my view, would be a disaster. And I, for one, am sad that uh, these, these two, Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, they playfully engaged in this, hey... Let's have a debate. And Donald Trump said, I think it would be, I, I be great to debate him 
uh, as long as uh, the money goes to charity, which we all know what happened with the money that he raised for veterans. Oh, wait, we don't, because every time he's asked about it, he just pushes off talking about it. He didn't raise $6 million for veterans, people. Did not happen. It wasn't $6 million. He might have raised money, but it wasn't $6 million, which means he's falsified the numbers already. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's talked about donating his own money to it now. Still hasn't done that, so your candidate is a freaking liar. But let's, I guess let's not focus on that. It, it doesn't matter anyway. I'm not going to convince you otherwise. So I'm mad because I wanted to do uh, something. I wanted to do some kind of promo package for, for, for Donald Trump debating Bernie Sanders. And it would have gone something like this. Are you ready for an epic showdown? Republican nominee Donald Trump versus Democratic loser Bernie Sanders. And yes, I'm sorry, Bernie friends. I just, I, I don't see him winning. I see it as a desperation play move to try to bolster the significance. He, Bernie would have used it as an event, obviously, to, to build himself up as a strong case, uh, last-minute case, last-ditch effort. Look, look, I can out-debate. Look, I am so much better than Donald Trump. And you're going to put Hillary Clinton up against him? I don't, I don't think so. Huge movement. Huge debate, and now Bern, now Bernie's doing the name calling thing. Ooh, what, ooh, what a macho, macho guy uh, wanting to uh, not debate me, then debate me, then not debate me. So, unfortunately, we can't do the cool promo that I just played for you. It w- won't ever be used. But you know, I mean, wouldn't it be cool though? I mean, Donald Trump, Trump the Republican, Republican nominee, nominee versus. versus Bernie Sanders. This Sunday, this Sunday in a steel, in a steel cage, match cage match with special guest referee John Cena. And with that, I'm done. That's it for this week. Join me next week. By the way, the Fritzcast Fritz Forward is still happening. It's still going to be a thing. Just got caught up last week. Couldn't finish it. So tune in next week. And remember, I just John Cena trolled you hardcore.